Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective, the original podcast of the Pirates. And uh, with us tonight, we have Kyle from Grange Barber. How are you, man? What's going on, Dave? How are you? Bubba's behind the scenes tonight. I guess, uh, I don't know if he's in timeout with the wife, but uh, hello, Stacy. We love you. And um, certainly we'll uh, definitely appreciate Bubba behind the scenes. And we have a very special guest, a friend of the podcast. Welcome back to the show. Rachel Barbo. Rachel, thank you so much. Very good to see you, my friend. Yes. Thank you guys for having me back. I'm so grateful that uh, that you invite me back. You know, it's, it's, a, it's one thing to be invited somewhere once, but then when you get invited back a second time, man, it means you, uh, you're doing something right. Well, I just wanted to say that if, hopefully it's okay for, you, for me to share um, the type of person Rachel is. I'll never forget you apologized uh, when we were talking last time on the phone because of being up all night praying for, unfortunately, the loss of, um, at that time, she was still living, the wife of Blake Anderson. And it just really touched me that you thought that much of him and her. And uh, that just tells you, like, we see the great work that you do on social media and radio and television. But the person is what you always wonder about. How, what kind of person is Rachel Barbeau? And to get that text afterwards, I just want to say before I forget, it meant a lot to me that says that you have a huge heart and certainly it's more than we're finding that out right now. It's more than life than just sports and hopefully we get sports back. But that meant a lot to me when you sent me that text. If I could share an even um, more behind the scenes story. So <clears throat> my mom was diagnosed with cancer. 2018 and um and we battled for 10 months and in January of 2019, she got in to see this, this exploratory doctor, um, alternative doctor, and he had a waiting list, you know, very, very long. Right. And we just got to him too late. My mom's liver was already covered. And I knew that um, I knew that Blake's wife was battling and battling hard. And I had told him about this doctor and he was like, hey. Dave, are you getting Rachel on my end? Uh, uh, I'm not uh, lost. Yeah, let's see if we can. I'm hoping that it will not. <laughs> uh, she's deep in yeah, I was hoping that we could, uh, that it would freeze for a couple seconds, but uh, yeah, there we go. Can We're you hear do... me? There we go. Yeah, just having a little time. Is that yeah, my no, internet? If it is, I apologize. Come on, God. Um, so basically, the story goes is that my mom had an appointment with this doctor. And um, and the day that she passed away, Blake had called me out of the blue or texted me just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. And he had no idea that she had passed that morning. And um, and I said, you know, I called and, and I said, would you like Wendy to take my mom's place at the doctor? And so Wendy ended up taking my mom's place, this, this doctor that was so hard to get into. And he believes, Blake believes in the family that the treatment she got there allowed her to have the last couple of months and have quality of life and all of that. And so 
in a way, um, so strange, um, happy tears, but in a way, Wendy lived on because of my mom's legacy and got my mom's um, spot at the doctor. And so Blake and I had loved him before that, um, but are forever linked by, you know, this insidious disease cancer. So thank you for saying that because um, that meant, you know, she means a lot to me. She meant a lot to me. And, and so does Blake Anderson. Yeah. And this uh, strain, the dealing with COVID-19 a family member or not family member, but a friend of mine, uh, a friend of the family passed away last Thursday. And you always think that uh, this stuff is never going to happen to me. It'll never happen. But I hope folks will take it seriously um, because people are passing away left in the sports world, uh, the racing world uh, just got done to pot with a podcast, uh, the other a sister podcast talking race with Mike Ray. And there's just people all over the country. They're passing away uh, from COVID-19 and I'm hoping more people will take it seriously, especially in where we live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, I, I think here's the reality of it. I'm no doctor, um, uh, but here's the reality of it. It is a changing every by the minute disease. We don't, it's, we ain't never seen it. We, nobody's got a leg up on you. No, you know, we're all in the same boat. So until we know anything more definitive, do what we can. That's wash your hands. That's social distance. That's mask up, you know, like do what you can because we don't know if any of us had a, a leg up and we could teach other people. We don't, even the doctors are minute by minute, day by day. So if we want to see football and we want to be smart and um, then, then do the very least you can and, and, and do those things. Yeah. And cases, thankfully, some good news today, Dave, out of North Carolina, cases have decreased yeah. every day for the last four days. So we'll continue. Yeah, especially, uh, Rachel, we're really worried, and it sounds uh, terrible, but obviously we're a sports show. Um, but we're really worried about the idea of uh, will we have college football? I know that uh, one question I have, if you don't mind me asking, did um, somebody that was near and dear to us, obviously being the former uh, coach of the Pirates in the late 70s and obviously went on to your alma mater, Pat Dye, passed away. I just want to get your thoughts on him because he was very special to us. That's a connection that that Kyle and I would have to you as uh, being with Auburn and East Carolina. Um, well, first of all, I um, I got my I'm – a, I'm a strange bird. I always have been. Dance to the beat of my own drum, colored outside the lines, all of those things. And so when everybody else was going into television, I really got into sports talk radio, which is very, very unheard of for a woman. And I remember I have, in, I have pictures when, when, uh, when I was in my early 20s of interviewing Pat Dye and interviewing Pat Dye on the radio. And I remember the moment – that I, I I believed in my soul, like deep down in my soul, like God, you know, I've achieved something here is when Pat Dye called me, his assistant, his longtime assistant, Lynn, um, yeah. by the way, and she called me and said, Pat Dye would like you to be on his show. And I'm like, what? Wow. What? And, um, and yeah, it, um, I, I know he's up there with longtime uh, a, a former Tennessee coach, um, and they passed not too long from each other. And I talked to Lynn um, not long after Pat passed, and she said, you know, I've cried for a few days, but knowing that the two of them are up there together um, really brings me peace. And, and she said, thank you for reaching out to me. So made an indelible mark on a lot of people, and he was kind to this little old girl here and, and gave me a shot and treated me like an equal. Yeah, Pat Dye was, was amazing. We we did a tribute show to him. I uh, had Pat Dye Jr. on for the uh, majority of the show, and uh, 
Ruffin McNeil and um, several other people that, you know, Pat had an impact on. And it, it's just one of those things where everybody had a personal story with Pat. All his former players, all his former coaches. It wasn't just a, I oh, is a great coach. He talked on the football field. Everybody had a personal story about Pat. I agree. And I know Pat Dye Jr. too, fantastic human being. Um, just a great family all around. And I feel so blessed and honored that, you know, obviously going to school at Auburn and then doing work in and around Auburn that I had a chance to get to know him and, and call him a friend. Dave, have you froze on us now? <laughs> this is the joys of life. I tell the guys sometimes, uh, Rachel, that we need to go back to old school, just doing things audio and then post produce it and put it out. This live stuff is fairly good. There you go. There's the return of Dave. You know what, though? Oh, yeah. I kind of like it this way. I saw a video last night of Alanis Morissette. I think she was on Jimmy Fallon. She was singing. And, you know, the new thing that they do right now during COVID is like the drummers in one house, the, you know, the guitarist is in one house, the bassist is in another house. And somehow through technology, they make it work and they're all together. Well, Alanis Morissette's holding her toddler while she's singing. And the toddler's like taking off her headset and like, like talking to her. And somehow Alanis Morissette, I mean, she's cool. She's, uh, I mean, so she never missed the beat. I'm like, it's just, it is what it is. I don't think we get as been out of shape about things anymore because of COVID as we used to. Uh, that's true. I was going to ask you about your time and, uh, I literally, uh, the way I found out about Rachel Barbo, I was driving home from work one night and I was really. So if he comes back, Rachel. Tired and I'm driving home on a Sunday night and the world, uh, ESPNU radio, what is now ESPNU radio. And you had this show on Sunday night and I was like, you actually, um, I know that's inside baseball, but for people that have never done radio, you always want to make people feel like that you're talking to them and that you feel, make them feel warm and welcome. And I just started listening to you like every Sunday night because I usually had to work on weekends, but can you give uh, people maybe a thumbnail sketch of your, your career? And, uh, certainly with, uh, I love Sirius XM like this guy right here does too, especially during, I guess we're going to have football, right, Kyle? Football season. <laughs> oh, man. I hope. Mm. Uh, um, I got, Happy, happy tears, as uh, Jimmy B would say, or my grandmother used to call them, because that was what the advice somebody um, gave me early on in my career. They said, you know, um, you want somebody to take the long way home for you. You want somebody to sit in their driveway for you. You want somebody to either love you so much or hate you so much. They got to listen to you to see what it is that you are saying. And so... I just, the way I live my life is like radical vulnerability. I tell embarrassing stories on the radio. I, you know, I go in front of these, these athletes and, and law enforcement officers and corporations and, and high schools. And I just tell my whole life, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. And so, um, I'm glad that you were drawn in because that's kind of what it was. It was, you know, like, Hey, you know, here's my take and here's my life and here's who I am. So the fact that you like that, um, really means a lot to me. And, I was the first female host on Sirius XM on their college channels. I got a Heisman vote in 2016, totally mind blown, and then was the first ever host of the college football playoff. And I remember watching um, the actual playoff game in Jerry's world there that year and looking down and going, 
Like I'm a small part of history here. Like this is just, this is insane. And so I did that for, um, uh, for four years, five years, I should say. And then I retired last October to go full time and I'm changing the narrative. But yeah, my career sideline reporter, you know, a little bit, uh, beat reporter covered Alabama through national championships. Um, all sorts of things, but but really, I think one of the highlights, as you guys mentioned, was being on Sirius XM for those five six years and and being the first female, and so and, and leading the way for other females. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Kyle wants his own radio show on Sirius XM. Uh, what do you think? And I'm just kidding. But we were uh, joke. We were joking. I was just teasing him one time. I told him that we should take our show. We should have our own channel and call it Pirate Nation Radio. Um, have it even if it was on like the streaming app or, or online and I was joking with them and I was just telling them we were actually naming all the, the hosts on there and everything but um, you definitely had uh, yeah definitely had a lot of fo- fo- following and certainly with uh, with college and there Dave goes again Rachel <laughs> he'll come back <laughs> maybe college sports uh, I know is. that uh, I don't know what's going on here we go all right, it's that kind of night. I literally got my lights back on seven minutes before <laughs> the show. So We're not quitting. Been, There's no way at this point that we are quitting. You know that. No, that's right. <laughs> I'm not going to give up on you, I promise. I might give up on Kyle. Um, no. Hey, we've been together for a long time now, and we're not going anywhere, uh, despite what some people may think. Um, but as far as uh, now, with the, I know with Change the Narrative, let's talk about that. Uh, I know that's something... Uh, it's very important to you, very important to um, all of us. Talk about that because it's something that it seems like that it, um, something that we would uh, think that by now that things would be better. Um, but things sometimes stay the same. And I want to give you a chance to talk about that and maybe how we can uh, things can get better. Well, I think there it's all about perspective. And I think in a lot of ways they are better. I think you look at athletes across the country and <clears throat> just, just take the first thing from a racial perspective. African American athletes and people of color have never had as many white allies as they, as they have had today. As many people as they've had today that are willing to stand up and say, no, that's not right. No, I won't put up with that. I also believe athletes are, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, with the Pac-12, we are united. They're using your voice. They're using their voice, right? Um, athletes across the country are now calling out coaches. Um, and, and, and I'm talking about the legitimate beef, right? Like if they're not treating them right, they're calling them out. They're holding them accountable. So I think with a voice with fighting racism. Um, and I think they're policing each other, you know, and they're saying that's what we teach in the movement when I speak to male athletes is, you know, a king is man enough to look at the guys left and right and say, if you're not doing right, man, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to check you. I'm going to check you because I love you, right? I love you enough to tell you what you're doing is detrimental to yourself and to the team and to the university as a whole. And so I think in a lot of ways, things are better. I will say that all the things we talked about pre-COVID, mental health, self-care, interpersonal relationships, um, purpose beyond football, all those things were just heightened because of the, the, the virus and going into lockdown and quarantine and the uncertainty. And so we had to, as a movement, we had to very quickly in the quarantine figure out how do we continue to pour into athletes, right? Because I could have quit. I had eight engagements in April 
and a ton this summer. And they went, I watched them just like most business people, right? They were affected. Boop, 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 boop. Gone, gone, <laughs> gone, 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 gone. And so I said, I had to, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to, I'm going to say this. I had a few days where I pulled the covers up over my head and I thought I can quit. I can, you know, what, what am I going to do here? I can't speak in front of large crowds anymore. Or am I going to find a way to affect young people, old people, people across the country, no matter what, what other, whatever channel I have to do it. And so after those three days of belly aching, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and went to work. And we started doing Zooms with SIU, LSU, UNLV, West Virginia. I mean, all over the country and just started affecting people right there where they are via Zoom. I learned how to be a speaker on Zoom. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm used to having some like physical validation, like a head nod or something. But I mean, I learned how to do what I do on Zoom. And so, um, so yeah, I think we, we've come a long way, but there's obviously still lots of room for growth. You mentioned part of, you know, changing the narrative being mental health. It seems to me right now, mental health is becoming a, it's always an issue, but it seems like with COVID-19 and people out of the normality, can't do things they want to do, can't do things that make them happy. You know, it seems to me mental health now would be a bigger issue than ever. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. And all, somebody said this to me the other day and it, and it really resonated. Do you guys know that since March, the whole world has been living in two week increments? Think about it. Cause, cause we don't know beyond two weeks. We really don't know beyond tomorrow, but we've all been three weeks here. <laughs> North Carolina does everything in three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. That ain't good on your mental health. That's hard. You know, that's, that's hard. And so what I've been telling people, and I just reshared it today doing these zooms during COVID is do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability, look for somebody to help and then rest. I'm going to repeat this. If you do this every day, do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability, look for somebody to help and then rest. That means if you're an athlete, all you got's a car, you find a buddy and you push that car. You know what I mean? Like if, if all you got's a swimming pool, you, you freaking swim your heart out to stay into shape. If you got Wheaties, you eat those Wheaties, you know, like do the best you can with what you have. Look for somebody to help along the way. Give them a helping hand. And then when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you can rest knowing I've done everything I can. And some days with the mental health, I use this example a lot. Some days there's days where I get up and I'm like, I want to do this, this, this and this. And what I end up doing is spending the day in the recliner watching The Office or you know, something that that is self-care to me where I can totally space out. And we have to take those days to be able to get back up on our feet and have good days in succession. Your question no. about it. Can, uh, can we talk some sports too? Do you have, um, have you heard anything as far as uh, from former colleagues or colleagues in general, uh, obviously with the show pony who we love very much, Chris Childers and Rick Newhousel and everybody, Mark Packer, I love everybody on ESPNU Radio, but one of my favorite channels on Series 6M. I think we need to get them to sponsor our podcast. But um, anyway, the uh, it looks like now that uh, I'm hearing th thoughts this morning about the Big Ten may not have a season. I'm starting hearing that. Uh, one, Indiana, our thoughts and prayer. I can't remember his name. The thoughts and prayers go out to the offensive lineman of Indiana who's struggling right now with COVID. He's got heart problems. He's got symptom uh obviously symptoms of uh, COVID and he's uh, 
I heard he was in an emergency room, I guess it was yesterday or sometime today, but um, it's, it's scary to think about the very fact that uh, the season could be like all of a sudden we're thinking everything's good. And then what I fear, Rachel and Kyle, is the very fact that we'll start the season and a couple weeks in, we'll get a little bit of a taste of college football and then it's shut down like what Major League Baseball is going through right now. Yeah, you know, um, I just don't know how you do it without the bubble. And how do you bubble college players unless you took them somewhere and quarantined them for, you know, for three months? And I just don't know how you do that with being amateur and and all those things. And, y'all, it is scary. Nobody wants college football more than me. I mean, before I met my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, I was like, I take you football. Now football. I take you for the rest of my life to marry you. I mean, I love football, right? Nobody wants it more than me, but um, there's so many unknowns. What do you, let, let's just take this. What do you do if the week before your game, your star quarterback and your star lineman and your star linebacker come down with COVID? Lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or have like more, uh, having guys in that would be, I guess, no offense to them, but walk-ons, uh, you know, uh, yeah, maybe walk -on. it would be second to third string. My whole thing with it, Rachel, is, you know, I don't know about other states like Indiana, for example, or, or anything, but in North Carolina, students are reporting to campus this week. We're, we're moving into dorms. Uh, the 10th classes start. So if we're going to allow students on campus and we're going to have kids staying in dormitories and we're going to go to class, uh, to me, in my personal opinion, I think the kids, the football players, are the safest ones on the campus because they are being tested because they do have some protocol they got to go to. To me, they're more likely to get it from another student in a social activity than they are on the football field. So to me, it's all, it's overthinking it. Are you going to have traditional school? If you are, then you might as well play football. If you're not, then don't play football. Yeah. Listen, I, I heard, um, I think there was a, a Zoom call, I think it was, with some SEC players that went public to the Washington Post the other day and an article or a, um, a recording of it. And one of the players, what he was saying was, I'm not so much worried about, like you said, my team. I'm worried about the kid I sit next to in chemistry and what he's done right. between 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. What decisions has he made? I mean, y'all live here in Nashville and it's made national news, but these, um, I'm not going to say that word, but these uh, interesting characters <laughs> decided to have this COVID party. Yeah. Now Rachel froze again. <laughs> it's that kind of She's yeah. a mental. Uh, it's that kind of night. We've been waiting. COVID party. I didn't hear about that in Nashville. I know down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Alabama, they had yeah, they had it, but uh, I'm sure in Nashville too. Wouldn't think it would have been Vanderbilt students though. <laughs> Vanderbilt. Was it Vandy? No, 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 no. I was just saying Vanderbilt. Um, uh, no, but it, basically what it was was a, just a bunch of yahoos is the nicest way I can put it. Decided to have a industry party, an influencer party in Nashville. And it was a big, huge party and a lot of people, showy people, a lot of, you know, social media influencer type people. And they didn't social distance. They didn't mask up. They didn't do anything. And they did it flauntingly in the middle of, in the middle of COVID. And so you're telling me that, um, we've already seen all over the country that, 
that 18 to 22 year olds are not going to do the same thing. And I saw the other day LSU, one of my teams, one of the guys there was was testing out the mask. And he said it was like playing, got to look it up. It was like playing in a Ziploc bag. Like they had the mask on one of the appropriate masks. Um, and it was, it was really, really hard for him to breathe. I want it more than anything. I do. Believe me, I want it more than anything. I just am not exactly sure like the rest of us exactly how we're going to do this. What would you think of, if you're going to have, like I said, in North Carolina, the U, the University of UNC schools, East Carolina, NC State, Appalachia State, et cetera, are reporting to campus right now, Mormon in the dorms, class starts on the 10th. What would you think if the players were isolated in athletic dorms and took all their classes online? That, um, that would be a bubble. That yeah. would be a bubble, the closest thing. And it's worked for the NBA, except for the guy that went to get chicken wings at a at a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, would be, that would be that would be my that would be me. <laughs> all the uh, all the you know, schools have nutritionists and uh, the the training table, and and you know you could always order your chicken wings and pizza and have them delivered. That's I mean, <laughs> write down the people that can come in the bubble. They got to get tested. You know, the girlfriend can come in. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that would be that would be awesome. I know that you you actually had a chance, didn't you, under Coach Mo to come to, to East Carolina? Can you, can you talk about that? Because unfortunately, our time is limited. And hopefully, you'll come back, and hopefully, we didn't uh, offend you too much or suddenly. But definitely, love to have you back on soon. But with the remaining minutes we have, can you talk about that time with Coach Mo and certainly? Uh, love to have you back too to, at a tailgate or certainly at East Carolina. I've got a whole bunch of tickets you can have. You and your husband can come and have a good time with us. I would, I would absolutely love that. And his two sons, um, which would be my future stepsons, they are awesome. Um, they're named Brooks and Beck and they both play football. And so I know that they would love to come to a game. Um, I give them all my athletic gear everywhere I go, all these 40 colleges and they're like, you know, they're wearing the athletic gear. They're proud. I get them football signed. But, yeah, Coach Mo. last I saw him was at Maryland, and I hugged him so tight um, because he he called me. I remember very early on. It was um, summer of 2017, and, and he was like and, – and I had I'd met him before, um, worked with him in the sports industry, and he was like, please come. Um, and he said, you know – and no disrespect, but he was like – I talked about chivalry, and he said – I don't know that a lot of my guys know what chivalry is. You got to teach them what chivalry is. And I said, okay, we can do that. And what he, he continued to be an advocate for me. And he said that the reason why I think it works with her so much is it's not you. He said, it's not you coming in telling stories, right? Somebody else's stories. It's your life. It's your life. The good, the bad, the happy, the sad, the ugly, the up, the down, all of it. And you just tell it the radical vulnerability and man, by the end of it, they're like, and so I'm still in touch with some of the players from ECU um, it's one of my guys started an, an online nutrition program. He's training people online. I taught him to be a public speaker. Um, Keontae, I know his mother. Like, I mean, it's just great. That's what this movement's all about is, is continuing the relationship. I'm a lifer. I'm not just a motivational speaker, come in and speak and leave. And so I'm so grateful for coach Mo having me in that day because then one leads to another and leads to another and leads to another and leads to another. And then before you know it, you're 40 plus schools, corporations, law enforcement offices and high schools across the country. No doubt. And I know that they made you made a huge impact on them uh, for sure. And the great thing is 
that when we do this podcast, we have uh, former players on. Uh, the great thing about it is what they're up to now. Like we, we have them for that window of two or four years. And they were like, what happened to Kyle Barber? What happened to that great All-American at East Carolina? What happened to him? And, and then you find out that this guy is making a huge difference. He's a teacher. He's uh, making a huge difference in his community. And, and there goes Dave dropping out again. <laughs> and it's just a great thing to see. Uh, a, a huge, there I am again. He, uh, he played, I was saying that these players are making a huge difference back in their communities or whatever community they're living in now. Well, thank you for having me on. And that's it. That's like I was saying, I've been to, um, I've been to my, one of my King's weddings. Um, I've been, I've gotten pictures in the delivery room. Um, I've gotten wow. middle of the night suicide phone calls that thank God they didn't, you know, I was able to get them help and call the school and get immediate help. And all the young men that have called me are thriving now or doing very, very well. Um, but I've seen the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. I'm helping up one young man restart his grandmother's orphanage in Zimbabwe. I mean, just crazy life yeah. change. And and the ones I'll never, I might hear from once, may never hear from again, that went home and forgave their deadbeat dad. Or they're, they said, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better boyfriend because of you. Or I, I told my person, I'm sorry, I cheated. Or, you know, I, I whatever it is, right? Um, I decided to go to therapy. I realized therapy wasn't bad. And it was masculine and strong to ask for help. And I don't have to suffer in silence. And so there's so many beautiful things about this movement. So thank you all for having me on um, to talk about it. And I'll do a plug real quick. It's just I'm changing the narrative, the letter I am changing the narrative.org. I am changing the narrative.org. I'm really active on social media. Love to talk to people. If anybody has a request for your company, your school, your church, whatever it may be, um, I'm here and I would absolutely love to chat with you. Well, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed it. We definitely will uh, stay in touch and uh, good luck with uh, hopefully in 21, maybe you can be back and doing your thing, motivational speaking, like without a Zoom call. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful night. Thanks, Rachel. See you later. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Rachel, very much. Uh, had fun. Bubba uh, just her great in He's just, here's Bubba. There's Bubba. No Bubba. There's Bubba. Here's Bubba. There's Bubba. No Bubba. There's <laughs> You know, we, we need to have a, maybe we can have. Man, your internet sucks tonight, Dave. It's going to be the Kyle show for us all said none. It's just going to be me. I swear. Dave's froze. Guys, hope everybody enjoyed Rachel and changing the narrative. Uh, she does a lot of great work. Uh, we'll do this audible on the air, but Rachel does a lot of great work. Um, she, uh, she, she helps, you know, young men address things that they're not normally addressing. You know, you, you got 18 to 22 year old athletes, uh, who, who aren't used to talking about those kinds of things, how to treat women. And, uh, it's a big thing is, yeah, a lot of these players come from single parent homes from their moms. And, you know, you would think, well, they came from their mom. They didn't know how to treat a woman, but they weren't shown how because, you know, lots of these cases, they were single parents and they never had that male figure in their life to show them how to treat a woman. So Rachel's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of where it stemmed from and it's grown from there, helping with the other issues. Obviously, right now, a lot of, lot of uh, mental health issues coming from COVID. Yeah, it really is. I think that that's something that, uh, Kyle, it's been uh, very tough is that uh, dealing with the stuff. I think there's a lot of people I was going to say, make sure folks that you definitely you can 
uh, call a loved one, maybe call a friend, somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and make a difference for them. Because there's a lot of people like us that are, we're sick and tired of being, uh, I'm not, Kyle, you know this, I'm not a homebody at all. And over the last, since March 15th uh, on, except for work, I've become like this homebody. And I'm like, this isn't me at all. It's so out of character. Uh, so it's definitely not the norm of who I am. I'm such an active person. And I think that's what you, we were talking about, Kyle, with uh, with football, is that you guys sometimes, with Bubba especially, uh, and you, the only time I see you guys is in person is the football game. We see each other um, uh, here uh, starting in May. We did, we've done this for Facebook Live and on YouTube, uh, but as far as – and on the phone, but as far as actually being in person, uh, if it wasn't for sporting events in East Carolina, that's the only time we really – See each other throughout and, and the year. Right, Dave. I mean, you, you know, just to, just to, on a personal level, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I live my whole year around waiting for college football season. I mean, you know, college football is, is my biggest obsession, you know. It, so when, when Rachel said, nobody wants football more than me, I was like, <laughs> because, you know, there's no, you know, I got basketball, okay, baseball, okay. But college football to me is, you know me, man. I'm I'm watching Eastern Michigan versus Ball State, and and uh, you know an FCS game, get James Madison versus William and Mary, or or whatever. I mean, if it's college football, I'm watching, and I I watch from Thursday all the way through the latest game on Saturday. And I'm not just talking about the Pac-12 game. I'm watching the Mountain West stuff. Whoever Hawaii's playing, there's not an FBS score that I don't know. If you want to know who won between. Louisiana Monroe and Arkansas State, I'm going to know the score. And so to take that away from me will just be, I'll get depressed. I know I will. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time, uh, in the mountains this fall or doing something else to, to keep my mind straight. I mean, that's, that's how much I love college football. And I know I'm not the only one. There we go. All right. It's been a, a tough night with the internet for sure. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. too, because he keeps popping in and out. He can't get a good connection. I don't know. Yeah, it's been one of those nights. We're actually waiting on our second guest tonight. Uh, by the way, uh, we're going to have hey, Bubba, on. Bubba, you going to stay this time? Hey, Bubba. There's Bubba. Uh, we have a static image of Bubba. He's not really there. <laughs> it's a cutout. One of these days, we'll have the real Bubba back. Uh, we're going to have Garrett, uh, Garrett McClintock of BYU 247. Uh, Kyle, when we can start, um, he's got the Give Em Hell, Bring em Pod, and I uh, want to give them a shout-out. With Definitely in the podcast community, we'll give them uh, folks a shout-out. Uh, they don't, people don't understand how hard it is to do a podcast. Well, but. You know what, Dave? You know, the thing about podcasts is, and you don't want to throw shade. You don't want to throw shade. But uh, some people... <laughs> Some people do podcasts uh, better than other people that do podcasts. And, you know, some people actually you know about football, too, and are knowledgeable of the game and can break things down. But, you know, you don't want to throw shade. And, I, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure him with his BYU podcast and running the 24-7 sports, I'm sure he knows his stuff. Um, but does everybody else? Yeah, he's here trying to join in. So we'll um... – We'll see if we can get him on in uh, just a second, but uh, let's let's tee it up there, uh, Kyle, because he wants to actually. Uh, I know with BYU, I believe they lost another game. They're down to six games now for you and I both. Yeah. I think we've converted Bubba to be a scheduling nerd, but you and I both are. 
that's one of my favorite parts of uh, college football is the college schedules and looking at the, the matchups and, oh, my God, you know, like, for example. You can't this year. Everything is, is just out the window, and you got BYU down to half their schedule, six games. And, you know, I haven't really broke it down. I don't know how many home games they need, how many away games. I don't know if they're trying to play 10 or trying to play 12 or if it's just what can they get. Well, one of the things uh, yeah. I guess we can ask him. <laughs> yeah, here he is. Uh, Gary McClintock is here of uh, BYU 24-7. And, and they give him. Garrett, uh, Davis having technical difficulties. Garrett McClintock from the from the from from BYU's twenty four seven site. What's the name of your podcast, Garrett? So the name of our show is Hill uh, Brigham Pod. Help. And uh, Garrett, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So Give Him Hell Brigham <laughs> is our podcast, and I can kind of give you some background, I guess, of where that came from. So it's kind of it's a, a BYU legend of sorts. So back during World War Two. Um, a guy by the name of Von Kimball was supposed to be the starting quarterback. And the week of the Holy War, so the game against the University of Utah, he sent a Western Union telegram to the to the head coach and said, read this to the team. And he said, Saturday, there's one thing more important than the war, and that is to beat Utah. This accomplishment would aid the morale of 25,000 alumni and aid the war effort. So give him hell, Brigham, give him hell. And then Von, so he was supposed to be the starting quarterback that year, but left to enlist in the war, and he actually um, – was stationed and was on the USS Bunker Hill and ended up dying in the war, like in the line of inactive line of duty. Um, so we ran with that as our podcast name. We've been going since the start of the shutdown and uh, it's, it's been a fun ride. You know, it's, like you said, it's podcasting is very much a labor of love and you kind of roll with the technical difficulties which seem to happen every episode, but it's been a fun time. Yeah. I tell you what, we, uh, we've been doing this, uh, this Facebook live thing through StreamYard uh, ever since COVID. And uh, we, we've kind of used it as our primary platform because it does well for us. But I'm going to tell you what, there's part of me that just wants to get back to pre-recording stuff where you, where, where if something goes wrong, you can edit it out instead of this live stuff. It's too much of this, particularly when a hurricane just comes through and people are having a lot of problems with their internet in, in Eastern North Carolina. But yeah, how are you guys doing out there with that? Doing well where I am, um, up towards where Dave lives. He's having technical difficulties. They had a lot more damage. Um, a lot of people uh, lost homes um, up in that area, uh, two deaths. Um, so praying for the people in northeastern North Carolina. Um, but yeah, because I'm I'm down in Fort Mill, um, just right around the corner from Carowinds in Charlotte, and it's I we haven't oh, gotten any rain the last four days. That's where so I would expect you to be in the Charlotte area, uh, of course. Um, being a BYU. <laughs> it's uh, we, I, yes i've been out here for about a year we actually i live right around the corner from a family that has three sons on the byu football team um okay. so it's so there's there's a few um uh, few of us out here we are a few hey, well, well, well the Cougs made the trip down to daddy pickland stadium and played east carolina during the uh 2017 season so uh, I believe, yeah and uh you guys had the worst offense in america i believe we uh, did, and you had the worst defense in America that year. Yeah, it was we quite the matchup. Our defense was better than your offense that day. <laughs> that was the final nail in the coffin of what kind of decisions were made after that game of where they're going to be offensive changes. I'm still – I mean, I like that you guys got Mike Houston back – or not back, but from JMU, but I'm still scratching my head of why Ruffin McNeil was let go when he was and Scotty Montgomery was brought in. That's one of the most bizarre hires of my entire life of following – college yeah. football of that 
firing and hiring of Scotty Montgomery we, we to replace about, Ruffin we, McNeil. We can talk about that off the air, and I can give you all kinds of details on why Ruffin was fired and uh, why Scotty was hired. But uh, oh, you know. I'm going to slide in your DMs after this because I I have questioned that very because yeah. I mean I I remember ECU's always been a, I've always I've been a kind of fan. I like the logo. I was like, oh, it's cool. You know, they got the pirate. It's a cool logo. And I remember watching, you know, growing up seeing like, uh, you know, like Dominic Davis. And then when I was in college, like Shane Carden was a quarterback. He won a couple conference USA championships. It's always been a solid program. And I thought Ruffin McNeil was doing well. He, you know, had kind of dipped a little bit, but it wasn't, you know, I don't, I was kind of scratching my head of what the expectations year over year were of why he was let go when he was. Well, he it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with this record. It, it was a lot of political mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff uh, by, by an athletic director who had his own agenda. But like I said, we'll talk about that off here. Yeah. Uh, what we do need to talk about on the air is BYU down to six games. Um, yes. Uh, I'm assuming you guys, definitely uh, opportunities are limited. Uh, I guess it's between other independents, American schools, sub-out schools, and Conference USA schools. I would have thought we would have heard some announcements by now. It makes me wonder, is there any talks about you guys trying to work something out with the Mountain West the way uh, the ATC and Notre Dame did? Yeah, I don't, that won't happen because especially, I mean, the Mountain West with what BYU's TV deal is right now and the ability to schedule where we're at in normal years, you know, it's, you kind of got to, you can't judge everything, you know, based on the COVID season, but everything going with this season and what's, you know, the Mountain West, we, we play who we want to in the Mountain West. You know, we regularly we play Utah State and Boise State every year, regularly play Hawaii, San Diego State, um, you know, occasionally a game with UNLV. It's like that's kind of in Fresno State. It's like we get the top half of it. We get to play who we want. Um, and, you know, the really there make doesn't make any sense to go back there. And we do get those teams from the American as well. So I think there were talks. Um, you know, serious talks with Alabama and a couple of and Texas A&M um, in terms of scheduling games when the SEC was talking about doing a plus one or plus two kind of model for their season. But then as soon as they went to conference only and it was across the board, kind of it's only now is the Big 12 is the only um, P5 conference that's looking. And they they say to as of today, they're saying they're going to do plus one. And so it's I know that there are some talks with Oklahoma State and TCU um, to try to find replacement games there and to be that plus one. But it's, yeah, it's games are tough to come by. And so it's going to be kind of a patchwork, I think, end up between, you know, hopefully ECU or we're already scheduled to play Houston this year, but, you know, get some, some teams from the American and then kind of toward the top end of Conference USA. Cause I think the G5 schools are one, they need to play more games so they can get more TV money, one, and they need the cancellation money from, all of, you know, all of their money games that from playing P5 schools, they need that money. And so if they go conference only themselves, then they're saying, yes, we made the same decision. So we both stepped away from it. But if they, they have a better legal case, if they say, no, we were supposed to go play, you know, Duke or whoever, NC State, whoever, and they were supposed to give us a million dollars, they decided to step away from it and we replaced them with Ball State because we were still willing to play out of conference. So that's on them. We did not cancel this game. I think they're going to hang in there as long as they can. And those G5 programs are going to try to keep, you know, try to keep as many games on the schedule as they can. So I think we'll probably add back in, you know, Liberty. I never want to play UMass again. We just finished a four game series with them that we, as an olive branch when they went independent and I don't want to do that anymore, but it's, you know, probably end up 
getting seeing Liberty on the schedule, maybe Army, you know, those couple independents. But if it's down to, you know, if you're looking at a six-game schedule that's featuring UConn, UMass, and New Mexico State, it's like if I'm a player, I'd say Richard me. I don't want to waste a year, you know, playing those teams twice each to get to six games or something. You know, that doesn't doesn't sound very fun. Uh, but well, you know, go ahead. Well, what schools are you hearing uh, now that uh, a lot of the uh, pretty much all Power Five, with the exception of maybe a couple of Big Twelve, are off the table? I mean, uh, there, there was a rumor on one of our message boards that there was some talks between East Carolina and BYU. Um, personally, what I'd love to do if, if I was East Carolina, I'd, I'd say, yeah, we'll we'll come to you guys this year. We don't even want a big check. We just need another home game with you guys down the road because it was a pretty good draw when you came to Greenville, and we have one more scheduled with y'all. Um, have right. you heard? Have you heard any any names like East Carolina or or a Cincinnati or an Appalachian, for example? I haven't heard anything, but I expect that all of those conversations are having because I do know that between um, Mike Oresco and just kind of all of the ads within the American, there's a very good working relationship, and it's you know we understand that it's like while we're not in a P5 conference, we are not a typical G5 thing, and it's very much that you know I don't know if you want to. I know the conference, the American runs with the P6 mantra, but it, you know, there is a very clear difference between the American as a whole. And then really in the Mountain West, you have Boise by themselves. And if you take them out, it's really the American and the other four conferences are just kind of, especially if you take out App State and Boise State from, you know, then the other four conferences are just kind of sitting there and it's, they don't really do anything. They don't have the TV numbers. They don't have the revenue. It's, you know, nowhere close. So it's, I think, there's a very good working relationship and I wouldn't, I'd actually wouldn't mind seeing a formalized scheduling agreement with the conference to do, you know, four or five games a year. Um, but still then giving us the flexibility because we were walking into this season being, you know, the best schedule that we ever had, that we had six P five games plus Boise state. You know, that's an awesome schedule. That's, you know, that's as good a schedule as you're ever going to get. And so we were really excited for the season and being able to see, you know, what can we do on a big stage? And, you know, playing out the gate, we're supposed to play, um, you know, out the gate playing Utah, Michigan State, USC, and Minnesota, and then, wow. you know, also had, or sorry, Arizona State and Minnesota, and then also had Stanford and Mizzou on the schedule. Now, that was, we were very much looking forward to that. So I think the draws of the American, especially, you know, Greenville, it's got your little bit of a drive from Raleigh, but it's, you know, getting out to the East Coast is something that our East Coast fans are very, very happy and we drive to. So I went to the game last year. We played in Knoxville and there were 25,000, 20 to 25,000 BYU fans that made the trip to Knoxville and it was coming from all over the East coast and the Midwest. And so it's, we travel well and always like going to new places and seeing new things. So yeah, I would definitely love, you know, to get, you know, two or three of the openings that we do have. And we're going to try to play as many games as we can um, that I have heard um, and have those be American schools where we can get, you know, a scheduling agreement worked out um, to start filling up those games where we have a lot more openings, you know, from like 2024, 25 on. You got six games. How many of them are at home? How many are on the road? So right now we've got one, two, it's three and three. Um, So it's three, uh, let me count actually, one, two, three, four. It's actually, it's four and two, but one of those is at NIU and I don't, based on what I'm hearing out of the Mac, I don't know if that game is going to happen because they already moved it from, it was supposed to be a neutral site game wow. in Chicago and they've already moved it back to NIU's home stadium. Um, so we're supposed to have Utah state in Houston and San Diego state at home. 
and then at NIU and at Boise, and then also have an FCS school at home. And I believe, well, it's North Alabama's an FCS independent. I don't, their entire schedule's basically been wiped. And so I don't imagine that game's going to, the FCS game's going to happen either. Um, so we're looking at really down to three home games and two road games. Yeah, I would imagine the Illinois game will happen because, as you mentioned, um, of all the conferences that can't afford to uh, get rid of those buyouts would be the MAC. I mean, they they right. uh, they they can't afford to say we're doing conference only. So uh, I, I bet that that one happens. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure why because it was supposed to be at the MLS stadium in Chicago. So they moved it, said we're not doing a neutral site game anymore, and they moved it like 30 miles. So I don't I don't know what the point of moving it is unless there was some type of fee payment that had to go probably to the stadium. And once you take away the fans, then that doesn't make sense anymore to pay that. And when you could do it for free on campus is my guess, if that game happens. That's exactly right. They're they're, they're probably figuring that at most it'll be uh, either no fans or at most diminished capacity. So why play it at the MLS stadium in Chicago? Which unfortunately the Mac is used to diminish capacity in most of their games. <laughs> Tuesday night games. That's right. Uh, Garrett, uh, there were obviously we lost UConn. Uh, remember, would there be any chance of having a BYU being a football uh, only? Are you guys happy being the independent or would you like to be an American? Because that would really, it would help the American and I think it would help you guys too. I think being football only or even, I mean, I right now is where things stand today. I would love to see a four game, you know, four or five game scheduling agreement with a basketball included in that to get some good basketball games. Cause the American is a very good basketball conference, but in terms of going all in on football only, it just, it doesn't make sense right now um, given the landscape of college football, because really the only thing to gain from that would be a chance at a new year six game, which is great. But why would I trade seven P five games during the season for the shot of maybe being the highest ranked champion at the in getting in a new year six game at the end of the season and so it's kind of what that trade-off is and the our current tv deal which we just renewed for another seven years with espn or five years sorry with espn is about double what the american the new american payout is and so what you what, how much are you getting per per year so it's depending on the season and because part of that is ESPN brokering big like games to start the season, neutral side games with P5 schools to start the season. So the number will vary between 12 and 15 um, okay. million dollars. So it's, so taking a huge pay cut and then even kind of, especially right now, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty across every athletic department in the country. And hopefully every school in the American can kind of weather that storm and doesn't have to cut too many sports, but it's a lot of the funding, you know, from, different schools, you know, comes from tax ups to your student mandated fees or things like that. So if there's a big enrollment dip, like a lot of even funding coming forward besides fans and ticket sales and things can dry up at yeah. a lot of schools. And so it's right now as unfortunate as it is having our half our season wiped out um, and getting, you know, a very piecemeal schedule put together this year, it could end up being, you know, where we can be very nimble of what we need to do in terms of cutting expenses and handling things. And so I'd like to see a kind of a more formalized relationship with the American because I do like, it's probably the conference I follow most closely um, because just because of, I do like the programs. I like the style of play. 
Um, and I think it is the conference that has really does long-term eventually, I think there will be a P5 G5 split and kind of the return of the big East or whatever, of being, you know, that sixth conference as they continue, the league continues to separate age itself, I think is a very real possibility just because you kind of, you either need a history or geography and the other G5 G4 conferences don't have either. I mean, there's not a ton of history at a lot of American schools. They're younger universities, but they're in places that are growing and where people want to go to. And it's if it makes a lot of sense for them to continue to build and grow versus, you know, sorry, no one wants to go to Laramie or Albuquerque, but plenty of people. I mean, even Greenville is not a bad city. You know, it's a good sized town with a great 50 plus thousand seat stadium. And that's the most, you know, podunk location of the entire conference. Right. Because it's if you're talking about Philadelphia, Memphis, like those are great cities where plenty of people would want to go play. So I think the American is very attractive. And if I think what would change things is if it becomes where the highest G5 champion gets a spot in an expanded playoff, then I think that's where things change. And so that's where that conversation would happen. And I think to some extent there's a mutual understanding of, okay, if that's going to happen, then maybe BYU and Boise State come in as football only members need maybe one more to replace UConn as well. So taking like Colorado state, then you get a Western division and there's no way that that champion is not going to be the highest G5 and it becomes a de facto P6 at that point. I've often wondered if you, if you presented that, if you said, Hey, Boise, BYU, and and we'll say air force because the Navy um, are going to, are going to join our conference. If you guys give us autonomy status, um, what they would say. I mean, I really don't know how you look at that league and say that's not an autonomous or a power conference. Yeah. Right. And it's I've kind of something I've said the last few years when kind of talking to people about the American is that it's, well, the P5s have great programs. The American consistently has great teams. Like you will have, you know, well, UCF has been good for the last three years now, but it's usually our I guess like last year was Memphis. It's always, it's kind of a revolving door of who that top dog is, but whoever the top team in that conference is can play with anybody across the board. Whereas in kind of the P5, you have better programs. I mean, once you go past Clemson in the ACC, there's nothing there, right? Like it's, you know, and especially in once you in the PAC 12, it's like you get past, you know, most years, USC and Oregon, maybe Washington, it's, you know, the kind of a big drop off. And so there's more of a revolving door at the top, but that top is always just as good and can play with anybody. And so I agree that if you, you know, if you're looking at a separation and looking at autonomy, if you add BYU Boise and one more, you know, either Colorado State or Air Force, um, I think geography, just San Diego State, even though that at one point was supposed to happen, is just too far. Um, to, you know, it's I think it becomes a very, very competitive league, especially since you the biggest deadweight program of the conference self-selected out. So that was a nice gift wrapped up. But yeah. what do you guys I mean, is the league looking to expand i know is it currently going with a waiver to be able to play a championship game with 11 teams or yes we have a waiver for two years garrett um what the NCAA gave us and i think that with the covid situation it actually worked out that everybody things have been so crazy this year um you don't want to the one thing that we've talked about in this program thank god we have a great commissioner mike oresco um he's not paying me to say that but um he really is a great he is a great guy, but he, the fact that he was smart enough to say, we're not going to just put some school in to get that 12th member to have the championship. Um, things would have to be the correct school. For example, not putting you guys on the spot, but I, I can remember as a kid, I've always loved BYU. It's a brand name, right? The ba- brand name you have 
Boise State is a brand name. And then, like Kyle said, if you put Air Force as a school, um, the name of the coach escapes me, but he was talking last season. Kyle brought it up about how he, I think he wants he to have more. He, <laughs> Troy, Troy Calhoun. Troy yeah. Calhoun, thank you. So Troy Calhoun last year said in the fall, he was hitting around. He, I don't think he's happy where he is. Um, and he wants to move. Uh, well, our take on it was maybe that's because we're through the uh, lens of the American. He wants more East Coast times. And if you're an American, you have the East Coast times. We were just trying to connect right. the dots right. there. But if you took, a, like he said, the Boise, the BYU's, the uh, Air Force, um, I really think that, that it would take something like that before we would even add a school or schools. It would have to be. Um, and I know there's uh, no offense to our friends in Boone and Appalachian State. Um, they've had a tremendous program, but I don't think that the, and, and that's not a knock on them. They have a tremendous program in Boone at Appalachian. Um, they've got great fans. It's a, a great school. I love they it up there. To compete. I mean, East Carolina, right. because of some decisions made by our previous athletic director, right. is struggling a little bit right now financially to compete in the American. App State definitely couldn't do it. Not at this point. Right. And they really, and it's it's, a, App State, they have football. They don't have a whole athletic program and they don't offer the geography, which is kind of the key selling point of, you know, it's most of the American, almost every school in the American, it's in a big kind of, it's more city, you know, focused conference. It's not the Ames, Iowa's and Manhattan, Kansas type, you know, schools right. that you see in the Big 12. It's, you know, very much kind of more, it's a more metropolitan conference which i guess makes sense because half the schools used to be in the metro conference and so um yeah i agree i think you know like you said it's if you can get those western three i think if you're going to stay in the current footprint you'd like to buy some time and maybe see what i think kind of the biggest target in the current footprint would maybe be uh, unc charlotte even though they're a younger program but they do have the financial commitment and being like just being the city of Charlotte fits kind of the profile of the rest of the cities. And I mean, that, that would definitely that be a long term project of where it's going to build to that. And it's I don't think it's happening because the league needs something who's more established. No, no let's cut you off there. I, I just do not have toilet paper than you and Charlotte. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a Charlotte season ticket holder. So <laughs> what do you think of their new marketing CLT? Uh, I'd, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent to it. The only reason I'm a season take a holder is because their stadium's 10 minutes from my house, so I moved there. So I bought uh, How idiotic does that look? CLT. I mean, you just think about it. Think about it for just a second. Dude, it's so bad. Anytime you fly here, every time you fly here, when you're checking in, the person is like, oh, you're flying to um, uh, exactly. Exactly. Charlotte. Okay. Exactly. It's, I couldn't believe when, when I saw that. CLT and then Niners. They went CLT and Niners. It took all of like five minutes before someone photoshopped that into exactly where you're going. Yes, exactly. It's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, uh, that's like the the brand because that's the airport code, and so that's like kind of the the whole city is kind of branding around that, and it's interesting. It's terrible. Yeah. So you're actually, I didn't realize you're actually in Charlotte then. You Are you originally from Charlotte or how did you land in no, Charlotte? So no, I grew up in, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in California, Central California. Um, and then went, I went to BYU. So I moved to Utah. Um, and then after I got married, I was working in Arizona uh, in the Phoenix area, but we have an office out here and 
our lease was up on our house. My boss was like, come out here for a year, see if you like it. And you, know, cause my kids are not old enough to be in school yet. And so we're like, okay, we can be kind of nimble, go check it out. Neither of us have ever lived on the East coast. So we came out here for a year and then now with everything going on, we're actually getting ready to move back to Arizona. I'm switching, moving back to that office. Um, cause it turns out that being on the only person in your entire family on either side of our family, cause my wife's from Arizona on the East coast is awkward. It's not that fun to be <laughs> on a complete Island away from everybody. So I, I do like the Charlotte area though, especially like, North and South Carolina are both great places. I would, if we had more family out here, then we would definitely stay here because it's a great place to raise a family and it's a beautiful part of the country. Well, now the 49ers are down to 10 season ticket holders. Yes, we, <laughs> yes, we took our three away and knocked it down. <laughs> well, yeah, that, uh, that's something that, you know, like there's some of our fans in Pirate Nation that have a problem playing, you know, Appalachian State. I think that's crazy. We have, Roots all the way back to the seventies with uh, SoCon with Appalachian State. Appalachian State has done extremely well, uh, as you know, but the Charlotte series is one that is, uh, and again, I know they're building their program and all that, but that's one that a lot of fans, I guess now maybe the only thing that you could say about that series is they're an in-state one of seven division one, uh, schools for an FBS. And, uh, to play them. But other than that, as far as travel is concerned, it's a lot cheaper to go to Charlotte, um, than anywhere else or to BYU, obviously. But, um, I would rather see, I know Bubba and I talked about that. I'd much rather see BYU, uh, no offense to Charlotte, but <laughs> much rather see BYU on the schedule than Charlotte. Okay. Well, the, thing, I mean, the thing with Charlotte, Dave, is, is that a lot of Pirate fans feel is they were given everything they've gotten. Uh, East Carolina was independent for years. Had to, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, had to scratch and crawl to get in Conference USA as a football-only member. And then Charlotte starts football, and because they're in a big city, eh, we'll just put you in Conference USA, and you can be FBS just because. And it's uh, it's a little irritating when, when you see that. So uh, uh, call me jaded, but, uh, you know. Hey, Conference USA is also very different now. It's a shell of its former self. They were taking they were taking anyone they could get, and that's kind of why they extended that olive branch. But I actually I think we in the future we will see especially more at the P five level that you know, I think with how easy it is to stream and produce your own content and things, I think we're gonna see more independence. Because back when ECU wasn't independent, well it was Conference USA came a few on the heels of the Big East forming, you know, and well, it was pretty much all these independent schools. If you look in the 80s, there was 20, 30 independents every year. And so it's, I think we're going to see more of going back to that because I think, I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to get tired of bankrolling the entire Big 12 and realize, hey, the Longhorn network can stand on its own. And so could the Sooner network if we put that out there. And we're tired of paying everyone else's bills. We want our own flexibility. And if USC and Oregon did the same thing coming out of the Pac 12, then it would crush those two conferences and they're, marketability and what they're worth and the amount of money that they would get from major broadcast partners would shrink. So I think, I don't know what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years, but I can, I feel confident in saying that, you know, in 2025 and that next round of realignment, it's not just going to be a couple schools shifting. It's the entire sport and landscape is going to look completely different than even, Oh, here's the 10 conferences broken up between autonomous and group of five. I think it's you're going to see more independent schools. You're going to see one at least one conference will go the way of well, I guess the WAC ended up getting cut out, but at least one conference will cease to exist. You're going to see more independent schools. You're going to see 
a bigger playoff. It's just going to be completely flipped on its head and it's going to be completely driven by, you know, people are tired of, you know, cable is no longer getting subsidized by people who don't like sports. And so that's going to cause things of people are going to be do more streaming and people want schools will, especially big brands will want more control and they're going to want to do things their way on their terms. And you don't really get that if you're just one vote at a table of 10. Yeah. And also I, I think, Eventually, Conference USA in the Mountain West. Excuse me, Conference USA in the Sun Belt. Are, I, I, they're going to they're going to collapse on each other and form regionally. After it doesn't make any sense for them to be aligned where they are when they could be two basically bus leagues and cut their expenses in half. It makes perfect sense to do that. I mean, Old Dominion, Charlotte, Appalachian, and Marshall should all be playing together. Um, right. But uh, guys, um, just had an idea. Um, we all get a bottle of Jack Daniels and get a shot glass. And every time Bubba leaves and comes back, we take a shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I won't be able to last very long. That would, I'm tired. That would actually put me out within 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, I know the show will be over, but I've got other stuff <laughs> to do before I go to bed. Garrett, as far as, uh, obviously, with your site, what are um, one question I've always wanted to ask, and I'm glad we're on tonight, um, being that I do love BYU, you guys would like, I was saying the brand name. Do you guys have any interest or the BYU fans have any interest of being in the Pac 12? If they were, I keep hearing about how maybe the Pac 12, the ACC, certain, uh, the, of the power leagues would add teams. Maybe they would go to a 16 team league, uh, the Pac 12. Would you guys be interested in, in going that route or would you still stay? Uh, I mean, there, there is better money in the Pac 12. Uh, no question. If a P5 invitation came, um, then that definitely would happen. And there was even in the nineties, kind of on the tail end of the great decade we had in the eighties, there was the talk and BYU was in the conversation to be, you know, the PAC 10 was initially looking to expand in the nineties. Even when the big 12 was created, BYU was slated to be an initial member of the big 12. Um, but the governor of Texas at the time was a Bayer, Baylor alumna. And she said that if Baylor doesn't get in, then the Board of Regents is going to block all the state schools from going as well. And so that was Baylor replaced BYU in the initial Big 12 slate. And so if we've come close multiple times, we definitely have the history and the fan base of in fan support to do it. Um, and even the financial support from a lot of big donors and money coming into the program, um, you know, to be there and to compete. And it just, the invitation hasn't come. And if, if a P5 invitation came, then, you know, we would be banging down the door to get in. And I think that's the same thing with East Carolina. There are schools, uh, you guys have a national brand that we don't, and I, I'll give you that. But if you look at the fan bases, as far as um, we travel well, and I tell you when the next, we spend five losing seasons, the next time we have a bowl, all three of us will be there. In fact, we'll, we've been, we're going to do a show from there, uh, wherever that location may be. If it's Myrtle Beach, if it's uh, the Cure Bowl, wherever. Who name whatever it is, we'll be there. If it's in Myrtle, I might come join you. Supposed to be a first year this year. Who knows if it's gonna happen down at a coastal yeah. state. But, hey Garrett, uh, how about how about this? We were talking about this. I think it was Kyle's idea. Take Appalachian State, East Carolina, put them at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. What do you think? That would be fun. I mean, it's kind of out of the way. They could just meet in the middle, like <laughs> just move the Myrtle Beach Bowl, just go play NC State or Wake or something halfway but the uh I, you know i think it would be fun i'd like to see i mean when was the last time you guys played out uh we played them in the last time was 2012 we're actually playing them next year 
Yeah, we got a three seed in Charlotte uh, at, at the Panther Stadium next next year to open up the season on a Thursday night. Oh, that yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I I might have to finagle a work trip back. Say I need to come back and work in this office for a week to be here that opening weekend. Um, you know, I I think it's fun. I think Myrtle's a great town. It's the unfortunate part about that bowl is having to look at the field. But other than that, I think it's a great place for a bowl game. Yeah, I agree. No question about it. Robert, did you have anything? Or is, is, is that really you? Or? It He's is. Just holding a picture. Right, no, uh, I appreciate you joining the show, Garrett. I hate that I haven't been able to take part in the conversation because I really look forward to having you on. But uh, my parents were able to make the trip out to uh, yeah. Dave. Were you trying to, trying to be me? Yeah. For some reason, my avatar is not working. I don't understand. I put it up there, but it's not there. My parents made the trip out there to Provo in 2015 and really enjoyed um, BYU coming to Greenville, like Kyle mentioned early on in 2017. So, so looking forward to the home and home in 22 and 24. Yeah, it's. I think it'll be a great city in those both of those games. I mean, the second one in that 2017 was ugly all around, but it was it was a great game. The first go around in 2015, and I would love to see you guys on the schedule more. And uh, something else as far as future schedules, I noticed that you, you referenced some of those opponents um, like Stanford and Boise State. I noticed they're all the way scheduled out to like 2035. And uh, Kyle was talking about who you may pick up this year um, as far as uh, Georgia. I know Georgia Southern is on a future schedule and also Rice. So uh, have you heard anything about those programs? Um, I haven't heard about those schools specifically. It's I think – we were talking, you know, I mentioned while you were off um, trying to get your internet connection figured out that we were we were talking to multiple SEC schools. And so right now I think it's phone lines between us and the Big 12 and trying to get maybe one or two of those ACC plus ones if we can happen, you know, where we will travel out there um, just to get a P5 game on the schedule if we can. And then I imagine over the next few days or a week or so we'll start seeing some, you know, scheduling agreements with a back-end game in like 27, 28 or whatever between the American and, um, you know, between the American and this. And, you know, maybe even doing something like we add one more game to, you know, in the season and, you know, just add one game to the current agreement with ECU or something like that where we, you know, attack on one more and kind of make it work or whatever it is. So I think we'll start, hopefully it should get sorted down. But I think now the G5 schools or programs are staying where they're at and they're going to try to push and play as much as they can. And then, but now that the, all of the P five conferences have kind of said, this is what we're going to do. Then we can, we'll really start to see some things dotted up because I was hearing at least on the, you know, there was a national story that came out about BYU looking to play Alabama to replace that opening game when USC had to back out. And that was very serious. And I heard, you know, there was the, even before the national story came out, you know, I was hearing from, a lot of BYU boosters and people within the athletic department that that was very close to being signed. And that was like the principal agreement was there for that game to happen. But then the SEC voted to go conference only. So it's kind of back to square one. And so now that that's, now that everything is done and people know what's going on, I think we'll see things get wrapped up in the next week or so. One more thing. You mentioned the ones for the, for the ACC and the big 12. Um, Do they not have to honor existing non-conference games? I mean, they're, they weren't all against other P5, so they have games against conference best states about American schools, et cetera, um, with the ACC and the uh, and the Big 12. Do they not have to honor uh, those games rather than just rescheduling BYU out of the blue? I think I guess every contract has a buyout, so I guess it would depend on what they, you know, what the dollars and cents look like, and if they feel like they can get a better 
you know, better viewership or better, you know, can get more out of their brand or, you know, if we help pay the buyout of a conference USA team to come in there, you know, something like that, then I'm sure the ultimately money is what talks the most. And so I, that would get figured out. But I think I looked and there's a couple that are, you know, like they have everything, but their FCS, you know, team got played it. And so that's what they're going to replace. And, you know, so it's, I need to go, th- I've been planning on going through tonight and going through team by team and looking at what the actual openings are, but I'm not sure what they, uh, wh- which teams have which openings. And the caveat with those ACC schools is it's got to be played in their home state. So you'd have to go on the road. Right. And that's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. If yeah. it's, I would rather, you know, I'd rather go play on the road in ACC school than have to play two or three big sky FCS programs to fill up games or play a home and home with Liberty in the same season. Yeah. Something else I was going to get you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys have already talked about this, but uh, just hearing your five, Kalani Sataki, uh, gone nine, four, seven, seven. So he's had a couple of decent years. I'm not necessarily up to expectations probably, but, um, you know, last year you had the big road win, double overtime at Tennessee, and then a couple of nice home wins over USC and Boise State. But uh, so not not the consistency. So, what's the BYU fan base's uh, feelings toward the toward the Cougar uh, alone? It's the cry right now is that it's just needing consistency because for every you know get the big win in Tennessee, we'll play beat USC and Boise State at home, but then go on the road and lay an egg at San Diego state the following week, you know? And so it's the, the up and down and just needing to be consistent. I think the roster he has recruited better and the roster is more athletic now than when he took over for Bronco men and hall, but it's really now going into it's, it's year five. It's year three with the current offensive staff. It's like, it's time to, it's the seat is not hot. Obviously he just got a contract extension heading into the season, but it's starting to get warm where it needs to be the time where you need to start putting out some results and show some consistency on the field and not be so up and down. And so it's, you know, this season is kind of a free pass for everyone. I feel like across the board. Um, But uh, so it's, if not this season, I think next year would be the year of like, okay, you need to, you know, we need another nine. We need a double digit win season or get really close to it. You know, I'm okay with nine wins. If you have lost, you know, if you lose three games by one point, you know, whatever, then it's, that's a coin flip. Uh, But it's, uh, you know, it's it's really it's coming up to time where it's time to put up or shut up. And obviously, if you have the the miracle season, you go twelve and zero, and you have that that resume. That's that's one thing I was going to ask you about. Is the great thing if you had some kind of Dave. What's that? Then they could schedule their way to twelve and zero this year. Yeah, they could. <laughs> New Mexico State. We will play you twelve times, six at home and. On the road. <laughs> no, uh, just the fact that what I was getting at was the very fact that uh, with you guys, with playing that tough schedule, brand name, you have, uh, you were talking about consistency. My point was, if you finally had that consistency on the current coaching staff, then you could be playing in a, in a, a much bigger atmosphere as far as uh, bowls are concerned than if you, if you go 12 and 0 and you have, let's say you go 10 and 2, 12 and 0, somewhere in that neighborhood. And you have the schedule that y'all had that for 2020, then it would be very hard for me to to sit here and for people to argue they didn't play anybody, right? Because that's what happened right. with UCF. They always say they didn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody. They only won 25 games in a row, and and they couldn't get in the playoff. 
So a guy, a Boise or a BYU that has a miracle season, how could you argue against them being, I mean, I know they can, I'm just saying it would be hard to, to use that argument. Right. And it's, I think, especially this year was the year where if the stars aligned, I mean, when you're looking at, you know, six, when you're looking at three Pac-12 games, two Big Ten games, an SEC game, and then you're adding on Houston, Boise, San Diego State, and Utah State on top of it. You know, that's a great schedule. If your worst two games are NIU, which is not a slouch of a MAC program, and then your FCS game, if you run that slate, then you're as good as anybody in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, uh, what are you, uh, before we let you go, what are people talking about on your message boards uh, there for BYU uh, 24-7? Can you talk about a little bit about that, what you got, the content you have, and maybe some, I guess, fodder for fans? Yeah, I mean, we're giving as many updates on recruiting as we can. Uh, we have our podcasts. We do, you know, weekly mailbags um, trying to, you know, for some of the VIP things, which if you have a 24-7 membership, you're hap- you're hap- welcome to jump over into our board and on our weekly mailbag. And, you know, we just – we try – we're running out of sports content in terms of our podcasts with everything going on. We're kind of retired of talking about whether football will happen or not. So if you listen to our podcast, we do spend a good – good porch of the beginning of our uh, segment of our show. We spend to quarantine kitchen and we talk mostly about barbecue and what we're cooking, what's going on the pit that week. And, you know, talking about all the, whatever we've been eating for the last seven days. Um, but so it's, you know, we try to keep it light and kind of expand beyond just the football talk. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a good time. And uh, I've hopped on to the ECU side a couple of times and looked at your board and it's a good group that you guys have running that side over there as well. Um, but yeah, come check us out. And, you know, if you have any questions, you guys, anyone, you know, who happens to be listening to this can follow me, reach out to me on, uh, on the Twitter machine and, uh, we can keep in touch. All right. All right, Garrett, thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully we have some news. We do. We'll get you back on. Hopefully we can hear about you and BYU playing. Uh, I, I love playing you guys. I have no problems with traveling all the way out to, uh, to BYU, or I'm sure the same thing for you guys. So love to have uh, more games added uh, to our schedules in the future. Thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy the visit, and we'll have you again on real soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Uh, all right. Sure thing. Gary McClintock there, uh, BYU 24-7. Thanks for him coming on. And certainly, guys, it's great to see Bubba. Man, that is great. Uh, i tell you what, man, it's right there. You can put your ad right there. The original the original podcast of the Pirates, Kyle Barber and Bubba Rosenbaum. And uh, this, by the way, folks, oh, if you did not know, we started March in 2018. We're not going anywhere. And you know what? We're at episode three. Don't throw any shade, Dave. Don't throw any shade. Don't throw any shade. There's no shade. There's no shade. I'm proud of our podcast. We work uh, really hard on that, believe it or not. Episode 339. Um, so we're not going anywhere. I don't think anybody's going to cancel our podcast. So. Uh, at least uh, I don't think anything. I don't think so. Uh, we're not going anywhere. So uh, I'm very happy to have you guys. I just wanted to uh, take the time to thank Bubba and you. I was thinking about this afternoon. We've worked very hard. Um, you know, why not toot our own horn? We've worked very hard uh, behind the scenes. You can do that. <laughs> I know. I know that. But I wanted to tell people publicly thanks to both of you, you guys, uh, for being a part of the show because uh, – you want to talk about a difficult thing is doing a podcast by yourself. Uh, I never intended for the show to be by uh, by myself. So glad to have yeah, you guys. Bubba, and Bubba's gone. 
Bubba was like the wind. You remember that song by Patrick Swayze? She's like the wind. That's, that's Bubba. Bubba's like the wind. He's, <laughs> He's blowing, blowing in the wind. Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt. But uh, certainly we're very excited with uh, – there will be an upcoming season. I'm very confident on that. I, I go back and forth, Cal. One day I'm pessimistic. Today I've been optimistic, so it depends on what day you ask me. Um, I don't think we're going to play August 29th. I think that September 12th is when we're going to play. Um, and get this, this is one thing that blew my mind today. I'm listening to Mark Packer this afternoon on Sirius XM. By the way, you can take in the sponsor us, um, a lot of plugs tonight, but, uh, an interesting thing that the AC, uh, not the ACC, but the SEC, for example, not starting their schedule to September 26th. Yeah. And I, I was just like, that is, what's that? Was that news to you? Just the fact, not not that I've heard it. I just really hadn't thought about it. Like yeah. the fact yeah. that you know, I, what I'm saying. They're doing conference only. They push their conference championship game back to December 19th. So what right. it does is an Apple opportunity to, to get everything straight. Um, hopefully be able to have as many fans in the house as possible. Uh, the Pac-12 is doing the same. Um, the ACC is going to start the 12th. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. What the American ends up doing, and um, you know, as far as the Big Ten, there's rumors that they're not going to play. I, I believe they will. Um, it, it'll be interesting. They they started the trend of the conference only, so if they announce they're not playing, then eh, we shouldn't see where it goes from there. But I'm of the belief that if you're having school, play football. And I don't know what all the Big Ten schools are doing, but I know what the in-state schools in North Carolina are doing that are that are part of the UNC system, and they're starting class Monday. Um, yeah. Unless the governor comes out Friday and says you can't, you can't do that. Um, kids are reporting. Kids are moving into dorms right now. So um, play football. What's the difference? Yeah. By the way, uh, our friend of the show and uh, big fan of Bubba, um, Mike Rafford had this to say. It's not coming up for me. There we go. Ratings drop. Bring back Bubba. So, yeah, well, Mike, I tell you what, it's on the screen going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I have to make several notes that I won't. It's like the Eagles, one of these nights, right? Yeah, he just uh, had poor internet connection. Dave had the same problem earlier. But anyway, Dave, you ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I was going to tell you, we have uh, obviously great content. Uh, 50 Pirates in 50 Days, of course, on SoundCloud and on Anchor this year, we added the, that great platform. So two different places you can hear former players talking about their careers, what they're up to now, and life, and so much more. Telling great stories, uh, like the other night about uh, Art Baker, and um, I saw the Pepsi man today at my work and told him about how they had Pepsi breaks with watermelon. That was just fantastic. But you'll hear that kind of stuff and much more. And of course, you can uh, pretty much get our podcast anywhere. And since May. We've actually been doing Facebook Live and sound, uh, I was going to say that SoundCloud. It's not SoundCloud, but YouTube, uh, where you can watch the show as well, uh, live as we're doing it. All right. Uh, for Rachel Barbeau and uh, Garrett McClintock, Bubba Rosenbaum, Kyle Barber, I'm Dave Richmond. You've been watching and listening to The Sports Objective. Go Pirates. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.